Going to therapy when you've hit rock bottom is great. Like, you need that. But going to therapy before you've hit rock bottom is just as amazing. Welcome back to That Vet Life. In this week's episode, I am joined by my friend, Dr. Leanne Mellon. Leanne and I both graduated vet school during the pandemic and as such are at similar points in our careers. In this episode, Leanne shares her recent experiences of changing jobs. She shares the fears she faced and the conversations she had with those around her as she navigated this decision. We also talk about Leanne's recent VEDEX article she wrote about managing stress and how she sought out therapy as a preventative means of caring for her mental health in this profession. Leanne is such a positive force in this profession, and it was an absolute joy chatting with her. So let's jump into today's episode. So it has been, granted, I'm trying to think, like, how long has it been since the last time we chatted? It must have been... No, we did it for when you had your YouTube channel. Yeah, and I think you were yes. you'd either just graduated or you were about to because yes. we spoke about how you didn't get a ceremony. Yes. Oh, my goodness. I remember this conversation. I was sitting in my parents' house, and I had to find, like, a quiet room, and we were like, yay, graduation. Yay. I, and I was actually just thinking about it recently because, of course, everyone's graduating. They're doing their ceremonies, and I have a little bit of jealousy mm-hmm. Even though I'm just about to start into my third year of practice, and I'm just thinking back to when I graduated, and I love to hear what like what the case was for you, just for people to be reminded of it. But I remember I was sitting actually what like my graduation ceremony. I was sitting in my brother's kitchen on my laptop because I knew the ceremony was happening. I'm in my pajamas. <laughs> I have a big cup of tea. My hair is in a big messy bun, big old sweatshirt, and they said my name. Congratulations! And I looked over at my family and went guys, I'm a doctor now. And they're like, cool. <laughs> oh. And that's that was my graduation ceremony. Like, guess we did something as a family later. Mm. But for the actual ceremony, that is what happened yeah. for me. So it is a little bit bittersweet watching all these new kids. They're not kids anymore. That's that's a bad thing for me to say. Shame, shame, shame. <laughs> all these new doctors that are, they're getting to walk the stage. They're getting to have that, like the different ceremonies that each school does. So for you, like, what did graduation look like? I graduated end of 2020 in Australia, and we also didn't have a graduation ceremony, but we were able to, one of the girls in my cohort, she sort of created with the head of school a ceremony for just our vet school. So it was basically like a sit-down lunch, but we got all the gowns and the hats and everything. And we had a presentation basically done by the vet school and it was all the students and all of the people that, you know, taught us everything basically. And we had a few presentations and everything, but the parents weren't allowed in the building. And then parents were allowed to come just for photos at the end, but we never did the walk across the stage or anything. Our name never came up or anything like that. And like, that was a bit lame for me because my parents were in New Zealand, so they weren't even able to come and have photos. It was just with all my friends, but I'm glad I still got, you know, the graduation pic. So that was good. And then we had like an online presentation from the university, but again, it wasn't like Leanne Mellon has graduated kind of thing. And then they made a ceremony back in the February, the year later, I think, but it was not even at our normal campus because there's two campuses and pretty much nobody from my cohort went because we were like, oh, 
we've already been graduated. Or, yeah. You know, You're like, I've point. been in practice. I don't really need to do this again. Exactly. So yeah. we didn't have it either. But like I say, I got I got a graduation pick in my gown. I just didn't get it with my parents, which was a bit lame. But Oh um, yeah, that it would have been nice, but yeah, they offered us the ability to come back and do basically like walk the stage mm. during their December graduations for the other schools within the university. And I, some of my friends did go, but granted, they were the ones who were like living in the UK. So they only had to drive two hours. Mm. It'd be a, a bit more expensive and a few more hours for me to yeah. get a plane to go back to Scotland <laughs> to do that. True. But a lot of life has happened for both of us mm. since those mediocre graduation ceremonies, <laughs> to, to put it lightly. And for you, you are now in your second job since starting, well, finishing vet school. And as we were chatting about like before recording this, it's an interesting time that you and I are both in where we are a few years out of vet school. We've gotten the awkwardness that happens of growing <laughs> as a new veterinarian in those first couple years. And now we start asking the questions of what's next? Like, what do we want to do? What opportunities are out there? What are the skills that we really want to hone in on? What are the other things that we don't enjoy near as much and we're okay giving up? Yeah. And for you, you had a really unique opportunity that presented itself. Like you said, you weren't even looking for this. So set the stage for us. Like, what were you doing in the first two years or first year and a half out of that school? Yeah, so I, as I said, I graduated from a university in Australia and I came back to New Zealand to start working because I missed my family and friends a lot here. So I was like, oh, I'm going home, which was really, really nice. I guess the first thing that I did straight off the bat was go into hotel quarantine and spend Christmas in the hotel, um, which was an oh interesting... Oh my gosh, I forgot about that yeah, entirely. I know. Oh, gosh, <laughs> that was a that's thing. like so far behind. I know. I've actually spent a month of my life in hotel quarantine now that I think about it. That is awful. Oh my god! It is, but also I was in like five-star hotels both times. So I have absolutely no... Maybe regrets. not terrible. No, it was all right. <laughs> but not great. No, exactly. So the first job that I went into was a mixed practice GP role. And I worked on Waiheke Island, which is just off the coast of mainland Auckland. So it's like a 45 to 50 minute ferry. And so I used to commute across to the island every day for work, which meant basically I would catch the 8 a.m. ferry to the island and then I would get home back to mainland Auckland at 8 p.m. And I'd work four days a week, which is pretty like, there's not much social life that you get out of that considering the hours and you know your friends if they're able to meet up they're probably not going to meet up at like 8 30 at night because everybody's got work the next day you know it was great and I mean commuting on a ferry is pretty decent because I made all my I call them my ferry friends so all the regulars Aww. and the staff and everything so it was like it was a great commute and I obviously wasn't stuck in traffic sitting in a car you know driving myself I could do things while I was on the ferry and it's just a stunning environment so I loved that and I worked, as I say, as a mixed practice vet. I would say it was probably like 98% smallies, but then we saw the occasional pig or sheep or goat or something like that that walked into the clinic. I did go out a few times to see some alpacas, which I loved, and, and a few horses as well. But yeah, I had great mentorship throughout that first job. And when I say that, like I, I literally had it written in the contract, what I expected out of mentorship. And they were really lovely because I kind of asked them for a few things and then they 
were like, yes, and we can do this as well, you know? So it was really lovely, a great start. And I worked there for, it was about almost a year that I'd been there at the job. And as you mentioned, like I wasn't looking at all, but then I got a random Facebook message early December last year from this guy that was a partner at the vet clinic, which was five minutes down the road from my house where I lived on mainland Auckland. Oh, I'll probably mention also, I actually did um, after hours for the Waiheke job. And that meant that every three weeks I lived on the island and was available from Monday at uh, 6 p.m. until the following Monday at 8 a.m. And I also worked the Saturday shift, which was nine till one. And Saturdays were solo. And um, so I started that four months into my job. But again, always had like somebody I could call and stuff. So it wasn't like incredibly, it was scary. Yeah, not but, completely by yourself, yeah. but a little bit out there. Yeah, pretty much. And so I got this Facebook message and it was from this guy. He's like, hey, I'm retiring. Would you be interested in having a chat about potentially having a job at our practice? And I was like, what the heck? Yeah, like what was your reaction to, I mean, a Facebook message? Yeah. And it was also a Facebook message, like a requested message because I I wasn't friends with him on Facebook. And I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) But sort of prior to that, actually, I had had like literally the week before, one of the vets that worked at this practice five minutes from my house, like he had retired and now moved across to Waiheke. So he, he retired a couple years back, but I did placement at this, this vets. So I knew this guy well, and he came to me where I was the vet on Waiheke and he requested to see me. So, cause his dog had a grass seat or something. So I treated his dog and it was kind of weird, you know, like the student becomes the the teacher kind of, Right. Yeah. That's an odd role reversal. Yeah. It was weird. But he mentioned, he's like, oh, one of the guys that owns that practice is looking at retiring. So he had sort of mentioned it and he's like, you should look into a job there. And I was like, haha, like I'm really enjoying my job here. I'm, I'm good. And then it was a week or so later that I got this Facebook message. It wasn't totally out of the blue that I knew that there was okay. going to be a job going, but I didn't expect to get a message myself. Like I wasn't going to look into it, you know? Yeah. And then I was like, oh, far out. Like, as I say, I've got history with this practice. So in my final year of high school, when I was deciding to become a vet, I was not sure if I could deal with the blood and guts and all that kind of thing. And I just wasn't entirely sure of exactly what a vet does. You know, it wasn't when I was in year 13, we didn't have all these vetstagrams and everything. So I didn't quite know. So I went to that practice and spent a day with them and walked out of it. And I was like, yes, this is what I'm going to do. Then prior to getting into vet school, we had to do work experience. So I did 80 hours of work there and I was like, definitely what I want to do. And then in my final year of vet school, I went there and spent four weeks with the practice. And in between all of that, I used to take my dog to the practice. So, you know, I was quite connected. Mm -hmm. Like I knew the team pretty well. So I was like, oh my gosh, five minute commute. I know the team. I love the team. I can't really turn down this offer to even have a chat about it. You know, like I felt like that wouldn't be, that would be doing a disservice to myself really. So I agreed and I met up and I had a chat and then I was in this position where I was like, Oh my gosh, what do I do? I love the job that I have now, but this is sounding really good and they wouldn't need me to start until I had to give 12 weeks notice and they didn't need me until 12 weeks, basically. So oh, that's perfect. You know, it was all just like falling into my lap. I was like, 
I know you're like stars are aligning. This is meant to be, mm. but at the same time, like it is, it's such a weird time for us because it is employees market. Like you didn't, you weren't searching for a job. You didn't need to find a new job. And the place you were working at, like you love the team, you love the work you were doing. That's a really hard decision to make. And I'm, I'm curious because like the place that you landed in, it sounds incredible for our first job mm. out of vet school, the kind of the skills that you got to learn, the confidence that you got to grow in. But when the time came, like how did you present this change of, not change of career, but change of uh, life situation to your first practice? So for me, I guess the deciding factor was I was getting quite tired having to do that commute. I was quite tired with doing after hours and I kind of wanted a bit more of a social life. So that was my main reason behind moving is the fact that it's so much closer. I would not be as tired and I'd be able to go out and be more social basically. So I created a letter of resignation. This is after much deliberation with my family, my best friends, a few people who had moved jobs as well that I know that graduated in my vet cohort and stuff. Kind of stopping you there, like what kind of talking with the people that are really close to you, like what were the conversations that went on? Like what did they ask you and to help you make this decision? My family, my immediate family, I guess it was more that they could see that I was really tired. And I don't think I realized how tired I was until starting this new job. I took a week off between my jobs. And then even in this last month, I have been so much more active and so much more myself. And my mom's literally said to me, she's like, it's like the old Leanne is back. And I didn't even Aww. know that I wasn't Aww. me anymore, you know? Oh my gosh. And it's literally just because I was so tired. So my, my family, they kind of said, you know, I think you should take this job. They weren't ever, don't take it. They would have been if they thought that it wouldn't have been a good fit, but they really liked the practice. They really liked the vets. I mean, even so one of the, the main vets who is my boss now, right? Back in 2019, I was in Rome with my brother and we had a little dog and he got really sick. So we needed to put him to sleep and he came and did a house call and put my dog to sleep. But he was so lovely. Like we faced like video called in for the euthanasia mm -hmm. and that this is like, keep in mind, this is prior to COVID happening. So yeah. euthanasia FaceTime calls were not normal. And we were his first ones that had ever done that kind oh, of wow. thing. But he's just, you know, you can just tell from that, like how caring he is and how much of a good experience my family have had with him and even now like he remembers that euthanasia and I, I mean I know you remember oh my every gosh. euthanasia but like, you don't remember every part of it right yeah so you can just tell like he's that kind of person like that just kind of gives me chills like hearing about these are the gems of people that you just want to hold on to yeah, 100% and like that's the kind of vet that anybody wants and for me as a new vet that's kind of it I want to be. And what better way to do that than by surrounding yourself with those kind of people, you know? Oh my gosh, that is incredible. And just to have kind of going back to the conversations you've had with your family that highlighting how important it is to have a community like that, yeah. that can say, hey, like we're noticing this about you. And when you make those changes to, because again, like we're not 
like we don't have 100% self-awareness. Like we need those communities to be looking out for us and then us looking out for them. But that is so incredibly important for every single vet student or new grad to really take hold and make a priority in whichever job they do take. Exactly. Because you can't do this by yourself. Like it is a community that you have to be a part of. So I just wanted to highlight that. But I didn't want to stop you there. But I also wanted to kind of jump into going forward then to the letter of resignation that you sent, because that was the story we were on before I completely yeah. <laughs> sidetracked you. So I apologize. No, that's fine. I guess I also like on the more vet side of it, like I did ask some of my vet friends who had changed jobs and stuff, and they went through pros and cons with me and the same fears that I would have had, which I'm sure we'll get to in a moment anyway. But yeah, so for in terms of the resignation letter, I honestly, I, I Googled like the template for it because <laughs> I was like how the heck do you write this letter and so I got a basic template and then I I just personalized it and you know I, I pretty much most of my letter was thanking my previous job because like I say I loved it and I caught the ferry on the Monday I was going in to do my after hours so I was on my way it was a late ferry and I felt like throwing up the entire way because I was like oh Gosh, I'm excited about changing jobs because, you know, I can be closer and, you know, it's, it's exciting. Yeah. But I was like, this sucks. Like the week before one of our receptionists who was amazing at my previous job, she had just handed in her resignation as well because she'd oh. randomly got a job in the Netherlands. Also, she wasn't looking for it, but she got it. And now I was going to hand mine in and I was like, oh, this like sucks. And I'd made a meeting with my two bosses and sat down and like, I pretty much started to cry. I was like, you know, I don't want to leave. Like if you guys were really close to my house, I would be staying here, you know? But I also, I was happy to leave after hours. I'm not going to lie, but leaving. <laughs> Can't blame me on that one. Yeah. Leaving the team was really difficult. And I guess it was never like my bosses even mentioned, I think, you know, is it about money? Like, you know, would that make a difference? And I was like, no, it's literally the time. Like, that's it, basically. So it was really, it was uncomfortable. And then that the week, week and a half after that, honestly felt like an entire year because it was just so awkward at work. Not between my workmates, like my colleagues, like the, the nurses and receptionists, they were like all chill, but just between me and my boss. And then there was one moment when, so every morning we would have huddles. We would go through like getting ready for the day and, you know, what's happening, blah, blah, blah. And there was one moment and it just was incredible. Like you could cut the, the air with a knife because of the tension between me and my boss. But it wasn't it wasn't like a I hate you kind of, you know, that kind of thing. It was just like I stood up for, I was like, no, I need a lunch break. Because anyway, it was a, some scheduling thing and I stood up for myself. Mm -hmm. And she's like, Lee, and I think we need to go have a chat. And I was like, yeah, that's a good idea. So, because I, I didn't want to do it in front of everybody either. And so we went yeah. and had a chat and she basically just told me, she's like, look, I feel like we became really close friends and it feels more of a, you're leaving the friendship than anything. Oh. Um, and I sort of just explained everything to her. We had like a real heart to heart, honest chat, hugged it out. And now we're like, after that, the, the rest of my 12 weeks was brilliant. And at my leaving party, she kind of like, 
she said to me, she's like, she said to my colleague, she's like, you need to find Leanne a boyfriend on Waiheke. So she wants to spend all her time here. And she comes back. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love that. And, yeah, she was, and then she, I think she also said, she was like, now, um, we hope you really don't like it at your new job because we want you to come back and that kind oh, of thing. So, my you know, like I'm, I'm welcome back there anytime and she wants me to go visit and everything. So that, that first week and a half, like I get it. Like I was uncomfortable. She was uncomfortable. We just needed to digest it all, chat it yeah. out, hug it out, and then we were fine, you know. Now, just before we get on with the show, a quick word from our sponsor, which is the Thrive community from us here at Venex. If you're struggling with managing time, feeling like you're an imposter or burning out, then you need to make a change. The good news is you are not broken. You're not a bad fit for the profession. Much more likely you are missing some super important foundational skills no one is teaching at university. Skills that you will learn as part of our Vetex community. The Thrive Community is a race accredited professional skills course where members receive training, toolkits and one-to-one coaching to develop these skills. So join hundreds of other vets who've changed their careers for the better as a Thrive member. To learn more and find out if the class is a good fit for you, visit vetexinternational.com today. Now back to the show. So I hope you enjoyed part one. Now we're going to get back to part two of that Vet Life podcast. Over to you, Mo. Gosh, but being able to have those kind of hard conversations because, like, again, like it, you didn't have to leave, you didn't have to go anywhere, you didn't necessarily want to go anywhere. And just the fact that, even like in your resignation letter, you're like, I'm thanking you guys for everything that you've taught me. This has set me up for the next stage in my career. And for them to be able to say, this hurts that you're leaving, but we understand and we're proud of where you're going. Like that is the kind of relationship that you want moving forward, no matter where you go. And just having like practicing having those conversations because you know, it's not going to be the last one that you ever have. There's going to be more, whether it's in veterinary medicine or in your personal life and just being able to do that uh, in a mature way is not an easy feat. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's not an easy feat. So I commend you on that one. So, so you stayed at that job for the, the remaining 12 weeks for your, your note, leave of notice, and then you jumped into your new job, which you've been there for roughly how long now? Uh, it's been a month now, pretty much. Okay, a month. So it, before you started it, so you kind of like got through the awkwardness of leaving your old job, um, you were preparing to start the new one. Like, What were your fears that you were running through your head? So... It kind of brought back similar fears to when I was starting as a new grad. The question where it's like, am I actually good enough? Like I've obviously they think I am because of what they saw me, like who I am as a student, Mm -hmm. but then also what I spoke about in my interview and that kind of thing. And I was just thinking, I was like, have I spoken myself up too much? Am I actually capable, you know? And then there was fears of, okay, I know I'm, good in this area of of being a vet like I feel like I'm pretty confident in my consulting area maybe not so much in you know having all the answers but more in the sense that I'm able to have conversations build rapport and then if I don't know the answers I'm either honest about it and say you know we'll figure it out or I will be 
happy enough to step out and be like, I'm going to get a second opinion or I need to look something up or, you know, that kind of thing. So yeah, I'm comfortable in the consulting space. But then in the surgery space, yes, I'd had experience at my old job, but, you know, I've still only been almost a year out and I don't know how to do, I haven't done all these surgeries, you know, like I've, I've done surgeries, but I haven't done all the surgeries. And also there's so many different ways to do a procedure most of the time that you can get so many different instructions from different vets and you have to sort of figure out what is the best way to do things. So I was worried that I was going to rock up and they were going to be disappointed in me. I think that was the main thing. I was worried that they were going to be disappointed that they had hired me and that they were like, no, she actually isn't good, you know? (laughs) She's a giant imposter. Oh my gosh, her biggest fear. Pretty much. (laughs) (laughs) Love a bit of imposter. all of it. Oh my gosh. No, that is that is a very real fear. Mm. And that's something that, gosh, you're not alone in that one. I think every single veterinarian who's ever changed jobs is always going to experience that. And part of it is our own self-awareness. We're like, okay, I know I'm able to do this, but I'm able to do it this way in my current environment. But that a big question is like, okay, are they comparable medically? Do they do things differently? What drugs do they use that I'm not familiar with? And how am I going to react when I'm in that scenario? Mm -hmm. Because like, say, like, I don't know, like if they use um, a certain kind of induction agent, but you've only used a different one. Mm -hmm. And then you're like, I don't know what to do. And I don't know how to respond and, or even just instigate change Mm -hmm. in those. How do you have those conversations? So in my own head, I'm like, oh my gosh, if I were to change a job, like what are the things that I'd be afraid Mm -hmm. of? I'm just like spouting them off here. But I think that is that's a really big one is like, am I as good as I said I am? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, that, I guess that is like the biggest one. Am I as good as I said I am? And how are they going to provide that feedback? So I guess like, when did you realize that those fears were lies? Like, when did you kind of come to that realization? I think first day of the job, to be honest, I was a little bit nervous about how I would be starting because I was like, I, I didn't know if I'd have an induction with my previous job, I did have an induction because I was a new grad. So they made me a new grad induction. You know, it was eight weeks of this is what we're going through. And I was like, am I just going to walk in and start consulting? I I didn't really know, but no. So the first day, the way my, my job works now is we do consulting from eight o'clock until 12 o'clock or you're on uh, surgery from eight until 12 then you're either on the 1 until 4 p.m. consulting shift or you're on the 4 until uh, 6.30 consulting shift. So it's kind of like a bit of a split shift sort of thing. Yeah, it's like staggered. Yeah. So my first morning I started shadowing my boss, who's my mentor, and I basically just sat and ran the computer. Like he'd point things out to me and I'd do all the typing, that kind of thing, while he did the consult. So I learned how to do all of that on the job basically. Um, but it was those first four hours where it was like very much focused on this is how you do things. And I went from switching computer systems as well. I used vision at my first job and now I'm using VetLink, and they're quite different, but it was fairly easy for me to pick up. And I think that's because I had the basic knowledge of how you invoice things. And, you know, I'd learned how to be Mm -hmm. a vet in that regard. So I could pick that stuff up fairly quickly, but then you just have to learn how a new computer system works. And that like kind of takes your brain a little bit. That big challenge. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, I know. I get it. We just switched computer systems on my own practice and it has been 
a week of craziness. Mm. So trying to do that and switch jobs, that I can see how that would be really challenging. But you have the aspect of at least I know how to kind of be a doctor. Yeah, count exactly. that out of the way. <laughs> and one thing that uh, I'm picking up here is um, that you had an awesome mentor mm. in this new practice, which that must have been a conversation that you had with them when they, they a brought up the idea of, hey, we want to hire you. Yeah. And you're like, hey, I want to work with you. But see, I would really like some mentorship still. So what was that conversation? What did it look like? It ended up being, so my boss is the vet who came in and put my little dog to sleep back in 2019. And he's my mentor pretty much. What The main one that I go to, I guess. Yeah. And I sort of sat down with him and I was like, look, I know that I'm now a recent grad, not a new grad. So you probably have some questions as well as to where I'm at with my journey. And I sort of gave him the same chat, you know, about how I'm more comfortable in consulting in the consulting sphere, but that I would like a bit more handholding kind of thing throughout surgery. I basically just, I can do the surgeries, but if somebody's just there all the time that I can quickly ask to come in and have a chat with, or, and then I asked him how, how they do it through like in consulting, if I had a question, is it okay for me to knock on the door and be like, Hey, can I ask this? And what's handy for me is that they have a graduate who she's the year above me. She started, she had her very first day at the practice when I was there as a student on my placement. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Kind of like full circle. Exactly. And then she and I had become friends since I did that placement. So, you know. Okay. So you kind of got to chat with her and be like, what's been your experience at this practice? And that was actually something I did before. I I actually messaged her before I signed my contract. I was like, hey, I think this is, is this brilliant? Is, do you agree? As like, as a new grad, how did you feel? Did you have that support? And she was like, yeah, I did. So I knew that there was going to be that support. And I sort of chatted through with this, with my mentor. And he's like, look, I've actually done this previously in my life um with recent grads before so I kind of have an idea and I have expectations I know that you're not going to be the same as hiring an experienced vet I'm there all the time if you have a question just ask me and the other vets at the practice they have been incredible they pop into my room every now and again if we both have a break and they're just like hey are you doing okay like do you have any questions do you need any help so I don't even have to search out for help sometimes. It comes to me. Which is I freaking amazing. love that. I know. Oh my gosh, I love that. Yeah. Even like I was on, on the Saturday shift and just yesterday. So I kind of have two bosses here and both of them act as my mentor, I guess, if one isn't there, you know. And one of them messaged me. She's like, hey, if you ever have any questions on a Saturday, we do have two vets on, but it was one who I don't know as well because she was on leave and has recently come back, right? So she's like, if you ever have questions on a Saturday and the other vet is busy, feel free to give us a call. Like meet the two partners, my two bosses are more than happy to either come down and help you or talk you through things. So again, like that's, I didn't even have to ask for that help. It was just like, we understand that you're a recent grad, you have knowledge, but you still need support and we are here to give it to you kind of thing. Like I just have all the warm and fuzzies. Mm -hmm. I'm just like, this is incredible. This sounds like an awesome practice. And you've ended up at a unicorn of a practice and it's amazing. But there's so many things to pull out of that story and be like, hey, like this is an awesome and amazing story, but how does this apply to the vet students mm-hmm. and the new grads? And from the one aspect, kind of looking at it from a, like an overview, 
it's that like when you like it's okay to change jobs first off like if you feel like you have something that fits your lifestyle better again it's employees market so there's no shortage of jobs which is amazing for us but there's very likely going to be a time when you're like two to three years out where you're like, okay, is this it? Is there something more I can do? Are there more skills I can learn? Um, Am I going to have a change in lifestyle? And that's when it like opportunity might just land in your lap in in the form of a Facebook message, Mm -hmm. or it might just be someone you meet at a conference or this side or the other. And it is absolutely okay to look into those opportunities. And then if you do end up taking the leap and looking actually actively looking at other jobs it's how do you have the edifying conversations with your current practice so that you're not burning bridges so that you're setting up friendships so that you have someone that you can go back to and ask questions of and go and visit like that's what we want to be supporting and building this community and then um, I'm like speed throwing like the, the quick review yeah. here <laughs> a cliff notes version and then kind of when you do start in that new job even if you're not a new grad, like mentorship should be a part of that conversation. It's going to look different than when you first graduated. Because like you said, now you're pretty confident in consults. You know how to sneak. You not necessarily have to sneak yourself mm-hmm. out of the consult room. You can be like, I don't really know what's going on. Let me go look it up or let me go ask someone. And you have that confidence to say it in a way that the client is usually like, oh, oh, they want to find out more information Mm -hmm. about my pet. They want to ask someone else about my dog. Wow, they must be special. And you're like, yeah, yeah, they're special. I just don't know (laughs) what's going on. But you can say it in a way that it makes it very eloquent and elegant. So you're, you're more confident in your console, but you still needed help in your surgery. So that's where being able to have an ever-evolving uh, conversation about mentorship with your mentors. And then the other aspect I love about your practice is that they've already trained up a new grad before you. So now you have someone who's kind of like a peer mentor for you because then you can understand each other's current life status, um, whereas your boss very likely is not in the same stage of life <laughs> as you, which is good and has its own challenges. But you have those different tiers of mentorship, which is fantastic. And then you have your Instagram, <laughs> where you are helping the next generation of veterinarians. You're part of the Thrive community. And this is segueing way better than I ever thought it could. <laughs> <laughs> So I want to give you a little bit of time here to like, tell us about like, what are you doing on the Vetstagram community? Mm, What am I doing? (laughs) I feel like I'm sharing my life and the, I feel like I'm sharing my chaotic energy to be perfectly honest and trying to, I love it. Trying to show, I think I realized with me talking to people throughout the vet world is that I want to show how normal I am and how normal vets are. Like we are people, we make mistakes. (laughs) We freaked out during vet school. We cried, we laughed, you know, we did all that stuff. And I actually, I gave a talk recently just via Zoom to the the third years at my, my university. And it was basically just about being a new grad and what being a vet is like. And, you know, sharing the funny stories, like how I couldn't remember how hot a chicken's temperature is. I knew that they ran hot and I was in consult and I literally Googled how hot is a chicken and it all only came up with how hot to cook a chicken, you know? So sharing those kind of things. I love that. I love that too. (laughs) Um, And then what was the pig one? You told me about the pig one. The pig one. I had a pig come in 
for eye issues and I was like yeah um, all good I can just do the classic you know Sherma tear test fluorescein stain and you know I'll, I'll have it sorted and then it came in with a swollen lower eyelid and it looked like to me uh, styes that humans get and I couldn't remember any yeah. further scientific name or anything so I said to the the owner I was like oh I'm just gonna pop out I just need to do some reading about this which the owner loved, especially when you bring the, the quirky animals in there, like, oh, yeah, I, I get that this isn't super common. So I went out the back and I Googled how to treat a pigsty. And the only thing that came up was with was how to tidy a messy room. And I was like, I love it. no, not what I need. <laughs> I like to share that kind of thing. And I actually got like one of the feedback from that talk. Somebody comment, like sent in a group chat, which my friend um, shared. And the person said, oh my gosh, she's so normal. <laughs> I was like, that is the best compliment I've ever received. Like, I'm so happy for that. Yeah, like I'm validated. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> so that's, I guess that's what I, I want to share. And it's like, I mean, recently I, I was lucky enough to be able to, I've joined um, Vetex as, as an author. And my first article that I shared was about dealing with stress at work. And I feel, you know, every profession has stress. I'm, I feel like it's kind of an article that anybody can read and get something out of. We'll link it to the show notes too. Amazing. So, people, so tell us about it and then they can go read it. Yes, amazing. So it was basically about, I didn't actually mention it, but I, I was on call for two weeks for this specific thing. So I think I had, I had one night off after, like for 14 days, I had one night off. And it was, but it was because of COVID. So we had to do like rescheduling and stuff. So it's not like, it wasn't a common thing. And it was just a, you know, a once off, I just need to do this. So it was, I was tired from that already, but I had the most brutal eight days of my career because I ended up having to put 11 animals to sleep over the, those eight days. Ooh. And that was just like mentally, how do you deal with that? And on top of that, like I would have had to put, more to sleep but my clinic was really good and they kept rescheduling it so if there was something that was actually booked in as a euthanasia they wouldn't give it to me but I had a lot of after hours and stuff where it was just like or or emergencies like a hit by car and it was just you know constant like sometimes three a day and I started my one day I was in work early because I had a dog in hospital overnight and I was like checking up on him before the day started and then I had my nurse run into my room. She's like, Leanne, I'm so sorry. Somebody's just come into the consult room. They've got a dog in a box. It's bleeding heaps. I need you to see it. I need a vet. And I was the only vet there. So, of course, I had to go see this dog. And it had been hit by a car. This was my first hit by car that was, like, pretty bad as well. I've, I've seen a few, but it's just been, like, give them a heap of pain relief and they end up being fine, you know. And so I took the dog through and it was, it was an older dog loved, like very loved by its owners. It come from Australia and it's 13 years old and now it's here and grown up with their kids and you know, that story. And I x-rayed it and saw that it had a fracture in its left front leg. And then I realized that it also had, I, I was checking basically for a diaphragmatic hernia and it thankfully didn't have that, yeah. but um, it then also had a hugely dislocated left hind limb and it was kind of one of those situations where it was like, I can't fix one leg because the I don't have three that the dog can stand on. Yeah. You know, I don't have that triangle. And so I had to like recommend euthanasia. And the owners had been expecting it to come at some stage anyway, because she was an old dog. She had other problems going on. But, you know, it was a shock that it came so quickly. 
that's a lot of heavy hits one after the other. So like, how did you deal with all of this? Yeah. So, I mean, that was hard. And I walked out of that consult and my immediate next consult was five kittens for their six week old vaccination. Oh gosh. Talk about a roller coaster. Tell me about it. So those emotions, you know, like they're whack. And I speak about a bit more like I, I had a CPR that I had to do on my solo Saturday. And, you know, it was, it was hectic. The most difficult eight days of my 15 month career at that stage. But to be honest, I would say that was the most difficult eight days I've had in my 25 years of life. So it was incredibly important for me to look after myself in that time, because if I couldn't look after myself, I couldn't look after patients. So I put myself first and every day at seven o'clock, I would drive up this hill and watch the sunset. And I would just sit there and I didn't even think I reflected in that moment. I literally just sat there with an empty brain and just watched the sun set, you know? And it was kind of a way to to pay tribute to the animals that I'd helped cross Mm -hmm. the rainbow bridge. But it was just a moment for me to be there and just exist basically. And that sort of helped me. And then there, there were other things like I spoke to a lot of my, to my family and my friends in the vet world, but also my best friends and just really explained how I was feeling. I shared it a lot on Instagram as well. And I had, you know, great messages from people being really supportive. And I also talk about how I've been through therapy before I put myself in therapy three months into my career as a sort of preventative measure for moments like this. And I'm so glad I did that because that really helped me with each of those euthanasias. Instead of focusing on the sad aspect of it all, I went in focusing on I'm taking away the pain and suffering and giving peace to both the owners and the animals. And I repeated that in my head before, during, and after every one of those 11 euthanasias. And that I think is what pulled me through because I mentally went in with a strong game. So one thing I mentioned is, you know, going to therapy when you've hit rock bottom is great. Like you need that. But going to therapy before you've hit rock bottom is just as amazing because that's what helps. Preventative care. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, as a vet, I'm so into preventative care. I teach about brushing your animal's teeth or other dental health care because I want to save that pet having extractions. I want to save you money from having um, to go into general anesthetic. So why, if I'm focusing on preventative health care for your pet, why can't I focus on that for myself, you know? So I think something like that therapy is incredible. Mm -hmm. And there were definitely like a few other things like asking for rescheduling. My work did it, as I mentioned prior to that, with uh, during the week, they try to reschedule euthanasias and stuff. But even after that, I messaged them. I was like, guys, if there's another euthanasia in the next week, please don't give it to me unless they specifically requested to see me because I can't do that this, this next week, you know? I'm jumping in there because like just to have a community within your practice that supports preventative like mental mm. health mm-hmm. <laughs> for their staff members, yeah. that is something that I would highlight for everybody. Like when you're going in and shadowing and like basically evaluating these practices to see if you want to work there, just 
looking at how they communicate with each other and take care of each other, you, that can give you an idea of, okay, is this going to be a place that takes care of my mental health long term and allows me a way to take care of the others within that practice? So that's a huge, huge one. And like, I'm really glad that we are talking about mental health a ton more in veterinary medicine from a preventative yeah. standpoint, because so much of what we've been doing and, and like, just like you and I, we went through vet school and like every single year it was like a statistic about this is how many veterinarians are having bad mental health and everything that's bad that's happening as a result. And on the one aspect, I think we may be like, I don't know if we shifted too far to one side and we can talk about it more in, in a, another episode, but I'm just glad that we're talking about like the preventative healthcare side yeah. of it. And that is something that I've seen a lot on your Instagram. So I'm going to circle back to that. Mm -hmm. And I was like, where can we find you on Instagram? Yeah. So my Instagram is at your vet Leanne. I'm also not just on Instagram now. I've branched out to pretty much any of the other social medias. So wait, are you on TikTok now? I am on TikTok. Oh yep. my goodness. <laughs> oh my. <laughs> oh my. Um, I am back. I was on there for a period of time and then I took myself off, but I am, I am back on TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> for better, for worse. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? I also, I have a YouTube channel. I haven't posted heaps on that recently, but there's definitely some stuff on there that I recommend vet students check out. I've got some study tips and I've got me and my emotions going into my final year um, with placements and everything. I've got things about like what you should wear to your placements, you know, and what you should pack in your bag and that kind of stuff. So there's a lot of really helpful information and I hope to branch back into that YouTube side of things, but definitely Instagram is where I'm at and I am more than happy to answer anybody's questions about how they're feeling with the veterinary journey. Actually, somebody shared recently, you know, how you like share, like follow this person because of this, this, yeah, and this. Yeah. The reason somebody put me to follow me is because of the experiences that I share. And I was like, you know, that's kind of cool because I didn't really, I hadn't put a, a label to what I post on Instagram. Like I'm not, I don't know, I, I guess I'm, I don't have a specific niche in the sense that I'm all about mental health or I'm all about dentistry or I'm all about derm and all that kind of thing, you know, like mm -hmm. I'm, I'm just like, hi, I'm me. I'm a normal person. This is my life kind of thing. So I guess, yeah. I sort of share about experiences in both through vet school and then the veterinary journey. I love every single aspect of that. Whenever you post your reels, I'm like, this girl gets it. Like she's so authentic. <laughs> and I do, I encourage like all the vet students to go and follow her, go say hi. We'll put her Instagram in the show notes. So Leanne, thank you so much for coming and just chatting about like, again, like a lot of life has happened since mm -hmm. we graduated vet school. And, and until you really get to chat about it with someone, you don't quite realize all of it. So I really appreciate your, um, your just your openness and your willingness to talk about it. And then the fact that you just keep sharing this on your Instagram is fantastic. <laughs> um, so we'll have that linked again. But um, until next time, y'all. See ya. Thank you. See ya. And that's a wrap on today's episode of That Vet Life Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Now, before you go, I have a quick request. Now, podcasts and communities, they grow the best and they grow the biggest when the members spread the word. So if you know someone who you think needs to hear this episode, or if you found value in this episode and want to share it, go ahead and share this with your friends. And also, don't forget to head over to vetxinternational.com and enroll in the VetX community for free 
to get access to a bonus version of this show. You'll also get some free swag and many, many other amazing benefits. Also, leaving a review of the show on iTunes would be greatly appreciated because, again, it just helps get the word out. But until next time, y'all, I hope you enjoyed this episode of That Fat Life.